Hello and welcome to Your Employment Matters. I'm Beverly Williams and I'm here to help you navigate your career. This is for anyone who's searching for their dream job or promotion, or perhaps you're just looking to hang on to the job you have. Today's work environments are multi-generational, multi-religious, multinational, multiracial, and multi-gender and multi-gender identity. Add market disruptors like Amazon and Lyft, along with the addition of AI, and it's easy to see why finding and keeping a job is such a challenge. Employment success and even employment survival depend on your ability to adapt. That's why my goal for this 30-minute podcast is to first advocate embracing change and differences, and second, to encourage you to proactively assume responsibility for your career. Get your work week off to a good start by listening to Your Employment Matters every Monday. Find out how to own your career and get the best practices for making your employment matter. Hi, everyone. Today's podcast is Inconvenient Truths, Even in the Great Resignation. Now, the Great Resignation is getting a lot of buzz. Everybody's talking about it, or maybe not everyone. Maybe that's an overstatement, but a lot of people are talking about it. And I thought to myself, the Great Resignation, does that mean people are just leaving jobs without having another job? I hope not, but maybe they are. But I thought it would be a good idea for me to share some of my experiences with listeners. As they say, peel back the onion so that you can share what I know. I can share with you. You can share with anyone else that you may choose to. There are what I call inconvenient truths in the employment landscape. Now, whether you remain with your current employer or you opt to move on and seek employment elsewhere, some of your habits, some of your behaviors and opinions and the way you do things may not be endearing to your new employer. So you need to be mindful of that. You may not know that what you're doing and the way you're doing it, the way you're saying it, it's not coming across the way you want it to. So you may need to do a check, talk to your friends, see how they perceive you, see if your communication skills are serving you well, if you're communicating what you want the way you want to. Another thing I think you should be aware of is that you don't have all the information. I hear a lot of talk about leverage, that employees are exercising their leverage. I'm not quite sure what that means, but I accept it at face value. Whether you have real or perceived leverage, you're still going to need to be flexible because the employer is the money person. I think of it as a film and they're the producers. They have the money. They have the jobs. You are the talent. You are the actor. You approach the employer the producer, the money person, showing your skills, showing how you can add value to their business, and hopefully they hire you. Now, once you start working there, you may find that they're a little more conservative than you thought, a little more straight-laced. 
And it's not really who you are. You're not really comfortable wearing button down shirt and suit jackets or pants with creases in them and socks. And she, that may not be your thing. Now, that may have been the way you were interviewed, but maybe something different. You need to decide before you accept any new job whether or not you've done enough research and whether that research has given you adequate information so that you can make the best decision for your career future. Now, you want to be authentic and you want to be true to yourself. If you don't want to wear a shirt and tie and a jacket to work, don't say that you will. If when you get there, you're going to change your mind, that is not going to go well for you. Keeping those things in mind, there are some inconvenient truths that I want to share with you. Now, we've talked in previous podcasts about finding a job requiring work, focus, and effort. There's no question. It takes work. Another thing that I need to share with you that you may or may not accept is that you know what you know, but you don't know what you don't know and why you don't know it. Wherever you work, whether you stay with your current employer or you move on, you will have limited information. You will need to make decisions about your employment future based on the information you have available, keeping in mind that you won't have it all. You won't have all the information that is necessary to make the best possible decision, but you have to work with what you have and make decisions based on the knowledge that you have readily available. One of the other things, inconvenient truth. You may have heard the phrase job security. There is no such thing, in my opinion. Now, people think they've worked for an employer for 10, 15 years. They have job security, only to find themselves laid off and no job. Profit-making enterprises, businesses, employers, make judgments, decisions based on shareholder value, based on profitability. Employees are important, but do not overestimate your value to your employer. Your employment, your career is your responsibility, no one else's. And you should not expect your employer to mold you and to groom you to be the professional or to be the skilled person, to be whatever it is your heart desires career-wise, you must take the requisite steps to achieve your career goals. Do not depend on anyone else to care more about what's important to you than you do. The other thing, and I'm going to end my These are only a few of the inconvenient truths that I share in your GPS to employment success. As I said, available at Amazon and Barnes and Noble and independent bookstores. Don't let your ego get in the way. If you don't know, say so. You don't know, don't budget. Don't try to finesse it. You don't know, say you don't know, but you'll make an effort to find out and you'll get back to them. Don't try to snow anyone. It doesn't work out. Now that I've shared some of my pearls of wisdom with you, my guest today is my dear friend, Alicia Jacobs. 
who is a career development consultant. That's not right. Alicia, what type of consultant are you now? Beverly, don't think that you were incorrect. It's funny because originally I started as a career development consultant and then moved into the learning and organizational development space in which I also teach for the University of Maryland organizational leadership. So you just started from the beginning. So you went all the way back there. (laughs) The sad thing is, and you know, in the interest of full disclosure, you know, I'm not fronting. I typed it on one of these documents. And when I looked at it, it didn't have the right title. And I'm like, what happened to it? I know I typed it because you told me. But, you know, I must have recalled from your earlier days because we've been friends for so long. And that's good, though. I want to commend you on your introduction in terms of sharing your pearls of wisdom. And I'd like for your listeners to really understand that your pearls of wisdom, it takes a lot before people actually are able to have wisdom. It's a matter of experiences and day-to-day living and taking it and incorporating those things into your life so that as things continue to develop, you know where to pull from. And I laughed at a couple of the things that you were saying about individuals going in and thinking that they have a lot of value and overstating what they have instead of partnering with the organization and letting them know maybe they should consider using a skill that you did not tell them about when you were hired. So that they'll know a lot of times people leave and we're talking about the great resignation. Some people leave because they feel that their talents are not being fully utilized. How would the organization know if your talents are not being utilized? How? It's true. So I think a lot of times what young people or not even young people, people, period, it's When you go into a job, I always tell people, understand that the person who was writing the job description most of the time did not sit in that seat. So you are able to not only bring what that person is looking for in terms of filling the position, but you're also bringing other skill sets that they had not considered. But before you start bringing in those skill sets, you need to first understand what's expected of the job in terms of the outcome before you start pulling in new things. And perhaps in their minds, it could look like a shortcut. So, but you're thinking, well, this is the value that I bring and they need to know they don't have to do anything. As Beverly said, they're paying you. What you need to do is be able to be so good at your job that you're invited to the table when they're looking at what does this position really need? Because job analysis are done. And the reason that job analysis are done is because people like me, consultants will come in and ask an organization, have you looked at the types of skill sets that you're going to need for the future? So they need to not only talk to the person who's actually doing the job, but they also need to talk to the managers and other people who are affected by that position. 
So make sure that you do your job well enough so that you'll be invited to those kinds of, we call them table talks. Well, you know, that's interesting because stakeholders are critical. Stakeholders can make or break a career. And one of the things that I learned early on when, you know, as a in-house attorney giving advice to executives, they have to trust you. They have to be able to rely on the advice that you're giving them. They have to believe that you're giving them good advice and that you're good at your job and that you will protect their confidences if that's appropriate. And if it isn't appropriate, you have to let them know. And as an attorney, (laughs) I more than a few times I said, now, you know, if anything goes south on this, I've got to disclose it. You need to understand that. I'll do what I can. But if it comes to you or the company, the company is my client. And they understand that because from the door, that's how I added value. By giving them good advice, advice that they felt that they could rely on because I was good at my job. And because I never disclosed a confidence inappropriately. So you have to build up a reputation, what I call the personal brand. It's more than just how you look and how you dress. It's what they say about you, your reputation. Well, Beverly, I think it goes back to to some what up uh, what you just said. It goes back to not only how you look, how you dress, how well you do the job they hired you for. But even more so, it's how you communicate. That's why when Beverly first started in her introduction, she talked about making sure that how you are delivering messages are the way that you think others will accept it and or understand it. As a learning and organizational development person, I do a lot of assessments. I have clients who are always talking about, you know, what's wrong with their employees. And I would say 80% of the time, my coaching involves having to help people understand not only their communication styles, but what is driving those styles or what's motivating that person so that they'll say certain things. Once you understand that, and once you really have put into place that you're coming across the way that you want to come across to individuals, that's your personal brand. That's what Beverly is talking about, understanding your brand and owning it. But that doesn't mean that you are all of that in the piece or whatever. It means that you understand who you are and what you bring and how you can continue to add value to an organization. It is very futuristic. People are no longer looking for individuals who sit at a job and say, well, this is the way we used to do it, or this is how it's always been. Companies can no longer sit back on what it used to be. Because if you think about how we are changing, I call it the digital transformation, while it's real important, understanding that it's going to happen and things are happening now faster than what would ever have expected. The thing that you must keep in mind that you must be an adaptable employee. 
you must have the soft skills such as, you know, having the growth mindset that whatever comes across your desk, that you're willing to learn it and that you have critical thinking. And just because someone said something, especially if you're sitting in that seat, when you question the boss or whoever is bringing it to you, you need to understand how you are to approach that situation so that that person doesn't feel offended by your questioning. There is a difference between criticizing and questioning for clarification. Once you understand that in the communications world, you are much better prepared to have those crucial conversations, as they say. Yeah, you know, my go-to phrase is, okay, help me understand. And then I go through my day. You know, when, when I got, and I've told this before on a podcast, my boss gave me a low merit increase and I knew I'd work my butt off and I had produced and I had added serious value and I knew it. So I went back to him and I said, help me understand what else I could have done to get a higher raise. And he looked at me. I said, I was ready. I did this. I did this. I moved the needle on this. You had fewer complaints about this. I traveled to this. I repaired that relationship. He looked at me. He says, I'll get back to you. I said, thank you very much. That man gave me 5% more. And trust me, that was a whole lot. I wasn't combative. I wasn't defensive or, as they say, angry. I was like, "Um, you know, I saw what I got, but help me understand what else I could have done. More than what I did. Absolutely. Thank you. I just did a hallelujah moment for you because what you did was you asked for clarification and as opposed to challenging. Think, for example, if you had, I'm trying to think of the way that you could have challenged, you could have asked Why him, I deserve more. Right. Why? I just got my increase. Are you kidding me? You know, I work like a dog. And this is what you paid me? You thought this was okay? Oh, I don't think so. Well, no, 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 no. That doesn't fly. I am so happy that through the coaching and through the learning, you understood that the question was, help me understand what I could have done better. Or you know, help me understand how this rating was done in that I ended up with this increase or this level of increase. But that is just as strong because it caught your boss off guard. Think oh, of it that. did. It caught him off you guard. <laughs> because you what you did was you backhanded him. Hey, look, you start messing with my money, I come correct. And let me just say this. It wasn't coaching. It was observation over time. There's another benefit to moving around in employment situations and not staying with one company forever. Yes. I have had a very eclectic, multifaceted employment. (laughs) That's why we're friends. I'm serious. I mean, When I have had Fortune 500 clients because I worked for a national labor and employment law firm, I've worked for a Fortune 500 company, I've been in situations where they've asked for my opinion 
And when I've said what I had to say and the way I said it, their chest was out. This is my person. <laughs> you know, you come to learn by watching other people as you move up the food chain. How does so-and-so handle their business? Watching how people communicate and watching how people provide criticism, negative feedback. How is that delivered so that it's not offensive, so that the person is not offended and does not become combative? I've acquired that kind of information and skill set by observation, because I'm nosy. I watch. I pay attention. I really pay attention. I knew I couldn't go into him with a meat cleaver. I would be on the skids. More money. I'd be looking for another job. (laughs) But the thing is that I just remembered as a very young person, my father, and I tell you some of the best lessons that we get in life are from our parents who we've always thought were never, ever as smart as we were. And I remember my father telling me very early on that, Alicia, you need to learn how to be diplomatic because I thought that just telling people the way it was and how it was and being direct was okay because I at least got my point across and there was no misunderstanding as to what I was trying to say. However, he said to me, you need to learn how to tell people to go to H-E-L-L and then have them turn to you and say, please give me directions. Okay. Okay. And Beverly, that's exactly what you did to your boss. Okay. And so we had to learn, learn, as they call it, learn the other person's love language so that when you are speaking with them, they're accepting what you're saying. And You're absolutely that they're going to do what you wanted them to do, because that's what he did. You gave him what he needed, but you told him in a very direct way. And he did exactly what you wanted him to do, to, which was to go and review your evaluation. What employees don't realize usually it's because they don't have this is information they may not have. They don't realize that there's a pot of money for each department. And each employee gets a piece of that money, a portion of that money. So when he gave me more money, he took money away from someone else. I don't know who it was and I don't care. But that's what you need to know. There is a finite amount of money and it gets parsed out bit by bit, percentage by percentage. And everybody doesn't get 4%. Everybody doesn't get 5%. Everybody doesn't get the same amount of increase. And everyone doesn't make the same amount of money. So if you're getting 4% and you're making $1,000, that's different if you get 4% and you're making $5,000. So you need to think about all those things and you need to think about who is the top performer in your department that person is likely getting a more substantial bonus. You want to be that person. And that's how you need to position yourself. The thing that we need to at least help them understand, and everyone say, well, I don't want to be friends. I don't like that person who is the top performer. It's not a matter of you liking 
What you need to do is understand that people work for a reason. You're there to offer a skill set. But if you learn more, that's how you become a piece of let's keep them here. Because some organizations have, what do they say? When there's, we talked about this before, a reorg and we've got to do a change or what have you. They look at their numbers and they say, well, you know, we always have to cut the bottom 10%. You want to make sure that you are not a part of that bottom 10%, that you've learned something from that person who's at the top. So that rises you. And that's something that's what they call collaborative work. So that if something happens to that person that you don't necessarily like, that you could at least step in and not do his or her job as well, but do it enough so that person's not missed and you become more of a valued employee so that you're never at the the low bottom, the low 10% of that organization so that they wouldn't miss you if you were gone. That's right. Don't think you're more than you are. You need to be as objective as you can about your value to your employer. What I recommend is checking out if you work for an employer that has a, a website has an annual report. Yes. Check out the website in the annual report and see what the annual goals and objectives of the organization are. Because I guarantee you, with some degree of certainty, your boss's goals and objectives are tied to those goals and objectives. And if you know that, if you can help your boss achieve his or her goals and objectives, and you will be seen as adding value. You make your boss's job easier as you learn along the way. You know, it's not just, it's not a one-sided approach to this. You're helping your boss, but you're also learning on the fly. You're learning how to be a manager, how to be a supervisor, how to be a leader. If your boss is not a good leader, then you find someone in the organization who is a good leader. Absolutely. Emulate him, but stick with your boss because he's the one or she's the one that's going to be passing out the raises. And you want to be you want to be high on that well thought of list. Beverly, I want to just add something to that that you just explained. And I think that we tend to forget while our boss is very, very important to us. Beverly said, going outside of your area. And the reason that you want to do that, find someone within that organization that you think you'd like to become like, not necessarily his or her job, but you enjoy their leadership styles. You recognize how their name is always brought up front in meetings and things like that. Go to that person and ask them if they would mind mentoring you. Then what you want to do is you want to find someone who is willing to become your champion because two different things. Sometimes your mentor can be your champion and sometimes they won't because they know your shortfalls. But you want to find someone in that organization who is going to think that you have potential. And whenever positions become up, you want to make sure that your name is one of the names that come up through those conversations. That's why I said you need a champion. So sometimes that mentor will be your champion. 
And sometimes that mentor will not. But you need to find champions and mentors within your organization. And all this stuff about what I don't like to do, it's not a matter of what you like. It's a matter of what's best for your career. Now, let me just say this. Now, you can take the position that you don't want to do. Now, that's your prerogative. You have a choice. Yes, you do. But then you're not hard to complain if you don't move up the way you think you should. You can't have it your way all the time or even maybe even part of the time, not as you're moving up. You're in a learning and acquiring information mode of proving and establishing yourself, of establishing a personal brand, being described as having integrity, being ethical, paying attention to detail, being being willing to pitch in, being a team player, all those positive descriptors, if that's who you want to be, then what you want to do and what you will do may be two different things. With that, Beverly, I'm just going to add, if you are looking at yourself right now and hopefully you, I think I'd like for people to do self-reflection and ask yourself, how am I being observed? And then is it how I want to be observed? And last, is it working for you? You answer those questions and you'll make the determination as to if you need to tweak your personal brand or if you just need to say, I'm going to end up here because this is where I want to be. And you're happy with that. It is not my desire. And as Beverly said, it's not her desire. You're not interested in moving up. That's your prerogative. But understand, if you stay where you are, you may end up on that last 10% rung that I spoke about earlier, and you may end up leaving not by choice. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with being satisfied with where you are. There is nothing wrong with that. Everyone doesn't aspire to heights beyond where they are. If you like what you do, if you're comfortable where you are, hopefully you'll be able to stay there. Now, what you need to understand, however, is that it may not be your call. There may be the business that you work for may be sold. And if it's sold, the new owner may have a different plan for the business. And the plan may not include you. It may not include your department. It may not include your department being configured the way it is currently. You need to understand that what you can control, you should control. But you also need to be aware of what you can't control. And another thing to do is if you have the ability to acquire additional training, additional skill sets, especially at no cost to yourself, you should take advantage of that opportunity. It's better to have and not need than to need and not have. Have Yes. So, so true. So, so true. So keep that in mind. Keep learning. Keep 
acquiring skills, keep enhancing your talents and you will be okay. But you have to also keep your eye on what's going on around you. For example, hypothetically, if you're working for McDonald's and you're flipping burgers and you like it there and you want to stay there, I would suggest to you that based on the documentary that I saw on PBS, I saw a robot flipping burgers. So that says to me, they aren't going to have as many people flipping burgers as they once had. It should affect your career decision if flipping burgers was your goal. Okay? Let me just say, no value, no shade, again, you know, on flipping burgers, just using it as an example. Because I did see that robot flipping burgers. Well, if you think about, look at how we have changed. If you think about industries, we had secretaries forever. And what happened? Technology came in and took them out of being. If you want to be an administrative person, you now have to be a degreed person because you are now chief. What do they call them now? Oh, administrator. Yeah, chief administrators. But you are right up under the president and you are sitting in. Not only are you sitting in the meetings, you are offering advice and everything else. So it's no longer just a sitting there and just taking notes. If you think also about in technology, what it's done to the electric company, the repairmen and all those people, there's still some out, but not to the level that there were. So you need to start looking at the future. Now, let me tell a story about my father. My father told me that I needed to learn how to type because I was going to need to learn, know how to type. And I told him, I said, no, I'm not going to need to know how to type. I'm going to have a secretary. And he looked at me like I was crazy. So now you're right. It's evolved over time that admins and secretaries are disappearing. I could type. I can't say I learned how to type. I could not touch type, but I memorized the keyboard. So I looked down. I still looked down at the keyboard, but I was typing, not touch typing. And my father said, that doesn't make any sense. I said, well, it works for me. Fast forward, oh, I don't know how many years, I could use the skill that I learned the, the watching the looking at the, the keyboard, and I could type a term paper because of technology. Cut and paste, Microsoft. I loved it. I was like, oh my goodness, this is perfect. I can do this now. So if I couldn't take a job from a secretary or an admin. But I could do my own secretarial work without engaging someone else to do it for me. That's the impact of technology. A company, think about it. You are an attorney. What company will hire you if you don't know technology? You could be the best attorney in the world. And they do have secretaries for, they have a pool. They're not doing that everyday stuff or they're not doing the things that they used to do. No. They're expecting the attorney to do it. Because the attorneys that are coming out are coming from situations where they type their own papers. 
in college and in law school. So they come to these law firms with a certain skill set so that they, the, the law firm doesn't need the number of typists that they once needed. No, it's a brand new world and you've got to keep up. You've got to keep up. If you don't read media outlets, if you don't pay attention to what's in front of you, if you don't pursue knowledge and information, you're going to be left behind because things are changing so rapidly and the impact is so substantial. It's mind blowing. This virtual learning that's going on out of necessity. It's just mind-blowing to me. We never would have thought that we would be facing a pandemic which would cause us to become more virtual. Thankfully, I had already been teaching for 14, 15 years virtually, so it was a no-brainer for me. But it was a really, really hard stretch for a lot of teachers. And it's amazing to watch a five-year-old sit in front of a computer and learn or do. And I think that's horrible because kindergarten for me was supposed to be about playing and learning social skills where children are not learning social skills and they're having a very difficult time going back to school. And that's because most of their parents don't know how to even teach them social skills because they've been out of work and they're going to have a hard time going back to work. So. The one thing that I do tell people, sharpen your soft skills because people will be a lot more tolerant with you if you have good soft skills. They will let you learn. That's it. Be a nice person. Be a person people want to be around. Don't be snarky. <laughs> so. Don't who you think you are. Not like that. You know, we're all in this together, but, you know, we do have to, you know, begin from a position of gratitude. Yes. Be grateful that you're still here because so many of us are not. So many people have lost loved ones. And, you know, as one who's lost a dear friend, it's horrible. I'm nothing if not grateful. I'm grateful for everything I have. I'm grateful for what I've been able to do. I hope that people listen to the podcast and will write reviews. Your employment matters. I'm trying to provide information. I don't have all the answers. And that's why I invite people like you to be a guest so that you can share your knowledge, your experience, the information you have at your fingertips. And it's all free. People who may not have jobs may not be able to afford to hire a career coach or to buy a book. I'm trying to identify corporate donors to purchase books for underserved communities to address that that vacuum, that need. So anyone listening who might have a corporate connection, send them my way. But please invite your friends to listen to the podcast. I think Without, <laughs> without be sounding, you know, puffed up, I really am impressed by the quality of guests I've been able to entice into appearing or being interviewed. It's very gratifying to me, but it, I hope that it's helpful to you. 
So Alicia, before we sign off, do you have any advice you'd give someone who's planning to leave their current job in pursuit of something better? The only thing I would say is make sure that when they are interviewing you, that you are interviewing them because you are leaving a place that you know. And even though it may not be the best, going somewhere that you know nothing about can end up leaving the, when they say, pot into the frying pan. So you really need to do your research. Read the annual statements. Ask if you can meet with some of the employers, uh, not the employees, because they're going to have you be interviewed by three or four people. But it would be nice to be able to talk to some of the employees to get a better feel for the culture and to make sure that that's where you want to be. And it's not a sin to ask if you can speak with certain individuals. Make sure you use social media, LinkedIn, read about what their employees are saying about them on social media. Right. Glassdoor is a place. That's a a place where they leave um, uh, comments about their former employers or even current employers. So just, just don't think that it was looking for a job then is no longer the same. So make sure things work for you in your favor. And I always tell people, used to be, I used to say, what was the most important job in this country? And I'm not going to go there, but I just want you to, to know that that person had never been in that position, but was able to convince the country that he or she knew exactly what they needed to do. And they just brought more skills that we hadn't even considered. So understand that you're bringing something brand new to an organization that will be of value. But then also you need to make sure that that's really where you want to be. Alicia, thank you so much for that sage advice, my dear friend. I am so grateful that you uh, were able to take the time today to spend with me. It's always a pleasure being able to talk to you. We don't do it as often as we should. Beverly, the pleasure was mine. I am always willing to be of assistance and know that if there's another topic or situation that we may need to cover, uh, feel free. I'm here for you. And thank you very much for even doing this, taking the time to help individuals who, like you said, may not have access to funds and or opportunity to speak with people that they'd never be introduced to because it's not their circle. That's true. Until next time. Okay, you got it. Appreciate it. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Your Employment Matters with Beverly Williams. If you found this podcast helpful, please subscribe and leave a review. I truly appreciate your support and that helps other listeners find the podcast. If you have a comment, question, or suggestion, you can reach me at bawilliams at youremploymentmatters.com. My book, Get the Job Done, is available on amazon.com and barnesandnoble.com. Please join me again next week. Until then, remember to embrace change and differences.
This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM network. Sound Advice FM. Women's voices amplified.